Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Well, here we are once again in a luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Way more luxury than we deserve, by the way, but uh, we're happy to be here and happy you've joined us today. I'm Deacon Jeff, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Tom Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. We have a special treat today, Tom. We do. We've got two guests instead of one. I'm so excited they're here. What we're talking about today is we're talking about conversion. Excellent. St. Paul shares with us in, uh, in Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So St. Paul is telling us here that we've got to uh, undergo this transformation, this conversion, if you will, if we're going to truly determine what the will of God is for us in our lives. So our guest today, uh, Judge John McCarroll and his wife Gigi, they're a couple who have made their way home to the Catholic Church, and now they're making their way to the luxurious corner booth here at the Catholic Cafe to tell us all about it. So, Judge McCarroll, Gigi, welcome to the Catholic Cafe. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, wonderful. Glad to all be right. here. We need to get Mary over here to uh, get us some um, coffee. Would you guys like a cup of coffee? Oh, sure. Yes. Sounds nice. good. Well, Judge, Gigi, you know, everyone has a different story, a uh, different faith journey. So, what we'd like to do is have you tell us a little bit about where you came from spiritually. I mean, uh, you know, before you converted to the Catholic Church, what was your faith life like? Well, I grew up uh, as an Episcopalian, lifelong Episcopalian, and uh, Gigi was a Methodist. Both grew up in the same neighborhood up by Little Flower, Church of St. Teresa on Jackson Avenue. So went to all the same schools, uh, high school, Vanderbilt, all those schools. Knew all the people that went to Little Flower and Christian Brothers. Did you pretty much just, uh, were you on cruise control in terms of your faith? I mean, did you did you accept maybe what you were raised to believe and, and you didn't necessarily question what was going on? That may be uh, a good way to put it. I think that uh, when we came home to the Catholic Church, we realized that what the Catholic Church teaches is what we had always believed. It wasn't that it was anything necessarily that was new to us. Uh, but it was a, more of a coming home. So you felt, yeah. So you felt that you were actually just coming to a place that you were already formed and uh, prepared to be living in. Well, we didn't have all the the understanding of the the teachings of the faith. I mean, we we came about that slowly. We talked about it before we came to what Monsignor Buccanani calls the journey to Catholicism. And we read some things by Pope John Paul II and Buckley. And I don't know if you could say I read Buckley. I tried to read Buckley, <laughs> tried to read uh, Cardinal Newman. Uh, and we talked about it. And so we didn't understand the Catholic faith, but what we did understand uh, we felt was true and right. Was it the normal period as far as like an RCIA type conversion? Or was it, a, uh, you said it was a slow conversion? I think it was more of a, a slow conversion where we learned things. What I think what you read from St. Paul about uh, don't be conformed to the world, we were both worried about the world, what was going on, what was not going on in the world, uh, the direction people seem to take about if everybody thinks it's okay, it's okay, when you know it's not. 
And so that kind of started us toward uh, the church. And we ended up, luckily for us, you know, at St. Francis and had been going back to uh, the Journey to Catholicism class for 12 years. And like, uh, like many churches, the, uh, uh, the Episcopalian church was going through a lot of changes and still continues to this day going through a lot of changes we're reading about all the time. What, did this have some effect on you in terms of causing? I guess what I'm looking for is what was the sort of the stimulus? What was the thing? Chi-Chi, perhaps you want to chime in here. Well, yes, because John, I think, was headed to the Catholic Church before this. I didn't realize it, but I believe he was. My background is a Methodist and then as an Episcopalian for, you know, all the years since my marriage. Uh, it wasn't like the Protestant Reformation. You know, the Methodists came from the Anglican Church, which came from the Catholic Church. So some of the traditions were already there. We, we did have to, I had to unlearn a few things about the Catholic Church, but not many. And the Episcopal Church, we had been very active for all the years that, you know, our family had been there and had loved it and really not understood a lot about what was going on behind the scenes. So for me, that was a catalyst. I think for both of us also, we didn't have to unlearn anything about the Catholic Church when we grew up, there, or I never perceived any kind of prejudice uh, against Catholics, or, I mean, we had an Orthodox Jewish synagogue in the neighborhood, we had a Catholic Church, Baptist Church, you know, it was, it was very ecumenical. So we didn't have to unlearn anything about the Church. Did you find the, the journey, once you decided to make that journey, did you find the journey itself difficult at all? No. no. So there weren't any challenges at all? No. Well, well there, there are always challenges to understand uh, the meaning of what we're taught. I mean, that's one of the rich things about the church is you're always learning. We go back to this class, and you hear the same thing, and the 12th time you hear it, you think, oh, I understand that now. So uh, the, the church is a very rich and deep uh, thing for us. Well, I've got to I've got to agree with you. Uh, in the RCIA classes that uh, that I'm in, uh, involved in at my particular parish, you know, every time I prepare for a particular talk, every topic that I'm covering, I always learn some new little morsel or hear some uh, some thought from some early church father or find a piece of scripture that I maybe never knew existed before, and then it just it turns on another light bulb, and now I've got this Christmas tree on in my head. You know, and, and, and for us, uh, and, and one of the many, many beauties of, of the Catholic Church is it's uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not go to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week, you know, it's something else. Uh, Catholics and the, and the people, the Catholics we've encountered have been wonderful witnesses for that. I mean, they live their faith. It's where they want to be with their families. It's what they want to do when they're playing ball or having a dance or whatever. It's a... It's a real family thing, and we're both, you know, strong on family. We got five children. Did you did you find any kind of resistance from any any friends or family along the way? <laughs> well, actually, that's probably the the hardest part. Um, when you find something so wonderful, and and mine was really an aha moment, which sort of keeps on being an aha moment that happened at a funeral, Father Sarton's homily on the communion of saints, and. Now, now Bishop Sarton, right? I, well, yes, but then he wasn't. <laughs> yes. But anyway, John, you know, we had grown up saying the creed. I, I, in both Methodist and Episcopal churches, I had never heard the communion of saints explained. It was hearing the homily on the communion of saints that was so beautifully done and so easy to understand, knowing that my husband was already considering being a Catholic, 
And then listening to Eagle's Wings, among other beautiful hymns, I thought, wow, you know, what is it about this that I think I don't believe? And I realized that I really didn't know anything about it, and I wanted to find out about it. So I left and started buying books, and we started reading books, as many as we could find, and started going to the Journey to Catholicism class. When I started, and, and Monsignor asked, you know, how sure are you? I think I would have said 99.9%. John was 100%. It took Monsignor Buck and Annie maybe two minutes, you know, and he would explain uh, Mary, for instance. You know, I really didn't, I didn't think that Catholics worshipped Mary, but I hadn't really thought about it. And I think a, a big part of the problem for Protestants is they confuse the word pray with the word worship. And once I understood what was meant, and it was all a part of the communion of saints, it just became more and more beautiful. And I, you know, went from the aha moment in the church to continuing to feel that way to this day. And I think you ask, uh, you know, what is it about what happens with your close family and friends after you convert to the church? And we really didn't have a bad experience. I think you do perceive in some friends you know, that you went to church with before, maybe a little bit of difference. I think the hardest thing is to learn to keep your mouth shut and to rely on the Holy Spirit. Because when you go through what John and I went through, and we felt so gifted, and it was a gift. It was the Holy Spirit in that church working in me, and I know it was. So I know I was given a beautiful gift, and I want to give it to my children, and so does he. And so you try to share it, and you try too hard to share it, and you keep on and on, and you realize that you're you're making people back away. And that's what sort of happened with us. And I think now, after 10 years, we have learned to keep our mouths shut most of the time and (laughs) to pray about it. And we do have two out of five. The, The bottom two, numbers four and five, are now Catholic. And we're about to have our second uh, grandchild. Baptized. Catholic grandchild. Yes. Baptized. So uh, I feel just very fortunate, and I know that I, I got a beautiful gift, and uh, I thank God every day for that, and my husband for opening the door. Well, those are wise words. Obviously, you know, people who do get that gift, they have that aha moment, and the first thing I want to do is shout it from the mountaintops and let everybody know that they had the aha moment. But I think, Judge, did you have that same kind of aha moment? And, and the people you encounter, you know, if you're talking about going and wanting to share something, maybe they're not ready to receive. And that's why we have to worry about, well, or at least think about what is God's timing on this, not necessarily my timing. I think that's the mystery that, that we'll never answer as to why you're open. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things that Pope John Paul said in one of his encyclicals was that, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that opens you up. And I've asked several priests that, you know, how do you open people up? How do you share it? And they say, we don't know. It's a mystery. It's the Holy Spirit. So, Well, uh, we'll have more about the McCarroll's wonderful story when we come back from our break. Uh, But just want to remind you that you can visit us on the web at www.thecatholiccafe.com. We have MP3s of this and all our past shows to which you can listen. Plus, you can access our podcasting feature. Also, uh, we provide many good Catholic links to a variety of resources on the web. And finally, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us with your questions, comments, and show topic suggestions. My email address is deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Tom and I will be right back with Judge John McCarroll and his wife Gigi in just a moment. Stay with us. 
I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. One of the most notable converts to Catholicism in the recent past was a man named Gilbert Keith Chesterton, better known as G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton was born in England in the late 19th century and was raised in the Unitarian and Anglican churches. He was a prolific writer, known throughout literary circles as an accomplished novelist, poet, essayist, artist, playwright, columnist, humorist, historian, philosopher, and theologian. But this literary giant was also known by his warm, intoxicating belly laughs and his ability to entertain children at birthday parties by catching buns with his mouth. When it came to religion, G.K. Chesterton always felt an incredible tugging towards the truth. And eventually, he found that truth embodied in the living, breathing revelation of God, the Roman Catholic Church, to which he and his wife Frances converted in 1926. His writings are as popular today as they ever were, with thousands upon thousands of witty yet thought-provoking quotes reprinted in countless books, magazines, and articles, as well as hundreds of sites on the World Wide Web. He said, If there were no God, there would be no atheists. He told us, To have a right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. He also said, The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. Chesterton participated in many friendly debates with the intellectuals of his time, such as George Bernard Shaw, H.G. Wells, and Clarence Darrow. He never shied away from an argument on any topic, especially when he felt he was on the right side. And that was usually always the case. His great tenacity and thoroughness, coupled with his warmth and wit, brought him great respect from both his friends and his adversaries. George Bernard Shaw said, The world is not thankful enough for Chesterton. Before his death, G.K. Chesterton was asked about his conversion to the 2,000-year-old Catholic Church and whether he would do it all again. He answered, So far as a man may be proud of a religion rooted in humility, I am very proud of my religion. I am especially proud of those parts of it that are most commonly called superstition. I am proud of being fettered by antiquated dogmas and enslaved by dead creeds, as my journalistic friends repeat with so much pertinacity. For I know very well that it is the heretical creeds that are dead, and that it is only the reasonable dogmas that live long enough to be called antiquated. G.K. Chesterton died in 1936, and his many writings continue to be of great influence in our modern world, both as a challenge and as a comfort. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're here at the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. I'm here with Tom. Tom, did you, uh, you look like you really enjoyed that jelly donut. I'm telling you, I can't get enough of those. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I look like I'm eating a bunch of them, too, don't I? <laughs> well, it's uh, something on your cheek. Yeah, it's it? all over my face. That's all right. Oh, well. Anyway, we're joined by our guests, Judge John and Gigi McCarroll. So let's pick up where we left off, you two. Um, we were talking about your journey into the Catholic faith, and one of the things you talked about that I thought was uh, very intriguing was uh, you keep mentioning people that were involved with you along uh, along your journey here. 
Did you have any kind of uh, sort of mentor or spiritual director that you were confiding in along the way, or or where did you find uh, where did you find the best place to talk and think and pray about this? At home, at or home, or in the car, or wherever we were. We talked to each other about it constantly. We we talked about other things we had to talk about only because we had to talk about them, and we, it's still the same way. When we're by ourselves and we have time to really talk, we talk about our faith. We talk about the church. Once we started into the class, and and heard Monsignor and and Father Ernie and met Deacon Mick and some of the other deacons, these people became also our family, and we took a journey with them and the other people in the class. I had an interesting thing happen. I had a cousin in the class. I didn't know she was going. She had been Methodist. She didn't know I was going. And we came in at the same time, and her husband had always been a Catholic, and they have come back every year just like we have. You know, obviously when you go back to a program like that and you participate in it, not only are you there for for purely selfish reasons of learning more and, and, and glomming up as much information as you can about the Catholic Church, the faith that you love, but I think you also uh, have demonstrated your willingness to share that faith. And while, Gigi, you've said you've shared it too much sometimes and too forcefully, uh, you know, maybe in, in certain parts of your life. But, but you want, you have a genuine need to share. You want to be that you can't hide that light under the bushel basket, well, can p- you? Part of it also is, though, that, that when you go to the class, uh, you see the people that have come with the open minds. These are people the Holy Spirit has, is working in. Their minds are open and they're hungry for the truth. Uh, the faith you know there is objective truth his name is Jesus Christ and these people want to know about it and and you know they don't want any of the mealy mouth stuff they want the good hard stuff and that for us for me that's very exciting to and you kind of feed off of that and it increases your faith so that's part of, of the joy of going back to the class so speaking of the good hard stuff that you were talking about that that these folks are looking for once you became Catholic once you had made that decision, you're in the church now, you're practicing your faith in the full communion of the, of the church, is there any particular church teaching or church doctrine or church practice or anything about the church that really has made a special, impactful difference for, for each of you? Sure, absolutely. It's uh, the real presence of Christ. The, the absolutely. That, that's the main thing. You, you don't uh, obviously ever fully understand all the teachings of the church, uh, but when you know that Christ is going to be there every day of your life, if you get up and go to church or whatever you're going to do, Christ is there, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So. so that impacts your life in so many ways. Now, in terms of it, you know, your conversion to the Catholic faith, I mean, obviously that is an intensely personal experience for you, for each of you, but does it spill out more into other aspects of your life? How does it affect your, how does it affect your work? How does it affect your playtime, your, your friends, your family, everything? How does that, how is that affected now by this sort of newfound truth? Well, apart from what I've already said about the family situation, we really don't talk about it a lot with our family, but we both were fortunate in that we grew up in good Christian homes. My parents and John's parents and I in the Methodist Church and he in the Episcopal, I had a good foundation. I really and truly did. And there were good people in both places. And I am profoundly grateful for that and for my parents. So 
what John has told people, which I think is a beautiful way to put it, is that the Catholic Church is not different, it's just more. It's opening up a window and letting the rest come in. It's Mary, not just this beautiful person on Christmas Eve, but Jesus' mother, a real person that lived and suffered like we do. You know, and so I think we have always tried to be good Christians and failed like everybody a lot of the time. But being Catholic and having the real presence um, makes a difference in a lot of ways because you feel it more and you understand more what you're doing and you understand suffering a little bit better. Uh, it's just a wonderful gift and, and, you know, as I said, it continues to be an aha moment. Judge, you, you had mentioned earlier about the Catholic Church being sort of 24-7 and, and this concept of living the faith. Do you see a lot of times that people will sort of, you know, become Sunday-only Christians and that they'll divorce themselves, uh, to use a poor term, divorce themselves from, from the, the teachings of, of the Christian faith, you know, when it's convenient and then pick it back up again when it's appropriate? Unfortunately, I think uh, that may have been part of what was going on in the world that brought us home to the Catholic Church, the feeling just in general in society today that you can legislate morality or that you can get a majority of people together and say something's okay and it's okay when it's really not. So uh, it's out there. There's no doubt about it. So if you were to speak to uh, someone who's considering the process, you know, you've spoken a lot about uh, what your parish calls journey to Catholicism, what most Catholic parishes call the rite of Christian initiation uh, for adults, RCIA, you know, they're considering that. They're thinking about the process. They think, wow, you Catholics have to go to school for nine months to be able to come Catholic. I can go down to this church on the corner down here, and they'll baptize me, and I'm a member of that church. I'll get, I'll get some uh, contribution uh, envelopes the day that I get baptized. You know, what do you say to a person like that? That you know, Because you've told me the journey was not difficult for you, but for some it might be a difficult journey. Well, it's such a joy. I mean, it's... Uh for nine months, you can go nine months, you can go nine years, you can go 90 years, and you still won't learn it all or understand it all. It's, it's more of a, a privilege. Uh, it's, fun is probably not a good word, but it is fun. It's a joy to, uh, to go through the learning process, and that's why we keep going back you know, year after year. We have a lot of Catholics this year, and always have had some who come back you know, just to just sort of... Uh, re-learn re the faith and they'll get a syllabus and see what's when and, and come for certain classes and uh, it really is fun and when somebody comes in and you know they're open you really don't have to do much you just have to let Monsignor Buccanani uh, speak to him a few times and that's really the truth and once you know he's he's done two or three uh, they, they're pretty much well on the way and when you see somebody some of the people who come in know they're going to come into the church. Uh, some aren't sure. But uh, most of the time, by the time they leave, they are sure. Occasionally, somebody doesn't, and that's okay. There's absolutely no pressure from anybody. You know, we're just glad people come, and, and they're welcome, and, you know, maybe they'll come back again next year. But a young man a few years ago was really thinking. He wasn't sure, and we were getting down toward the end, and I had tried to back off and not say too much and he came in one Wednesday night and he said I've got it I'm there you know so you see people uh, have an aha moment too and, and you know the Holy Spirit is at work 
really in lots of folks. That's a lot of that's a lot of the fun in being an RCIA. Really, as you get closer to that Easter vigil, you start to see the light bulbs come on, and that's an amazing thing for me. Still to this day, it gives it raises the hairs on the back of my neck and gives me a tingly feeling just because, you know, you're you're watching somebody go through what you went through, and you're feeling those same feelings again. I I can understand, on a personal level, why you guys are still so involved in it. And I love the fact that you keep talking about you, you can never learn everything there is to know about the Catholic faith. You know, again, back to that first scripture quote we used from Romans, you know, about transformation. Well, you know, all of our previous Holy Fathers in recent times have talked about this idea that we have to go through a continuing conversion. We're not just converted in one single point in time. We're not saved in one moment. We're continually in the process of saving we're continuing the process of conversion, and that involves going back to these classes, learning more about your faith, and spending time, you know, with the scriptures, with the church fathers, and listening at mass, participating fully in mass. You know, and that's and that's where I think the beauty uh, of the Catholic faith rests. So Amen. your your last few words here in terms of of. You know, that person sitting there listening to the radio right now thinking, I wonder if I should look into this. What are your thoughts? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, the the structure, too. I mean, when you go back and you realize that everything stops with the Pope and the people are going to mess up, always have, always will. But Jesus has a real voice in the world. And I think once you see that, it seems so simple. And you think, why doesn't everybody see it? Obviously, they don't. But, you know, we'd love to have you. So please come. Amen. Wonderful. Judge McCarroll, Gigi, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing the wonderful story of your journey of faith to the Catholic Church. And, you know, Tom and I both say welcome home. Welcome home to Holy Mother Church. Uh, And we wish you all the best. And we ask that you would please join us again at your next uh, opportunity uh, to the luxurious corner booth here at the Catholic Cafe. Will you do that? Absolutely. We've enjoyed it. Thank you. And wonderful. Thanks again to the McCarrolls. Now, let's turn our minds and our hearts to God in closing prayer. Heavenly Father, you call us to be one, one church and one people of God, as members of the one body of Christ. Help us to be transformed. Help us to break down the walls of sin and division we've built up in our hearts so that we may truly see the unity that is only possible in living totally in your love. We ask you to grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.